We live in a time of, of our culture that one of the characteristics of it is this sense of entitlement. We have this sense of entitlement that really it permeates the culture. People feeling like, well, you know, they deserve something or they're owed something. And one of the things that this produces, this entitlement mentality, is that it produces an unthankfulness. If you feel like you're entitled to something, then there's really no need to give thanks for it. There's no need to be thankful. And we see more and more entitlement, and no doubt there is more and more unthankfulness. This unthankfulness is something that the Bible tells us would be a mark, a characteristic of the culture. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 and 2, he said this, and you'll see it on the screen. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. And he goes on, but we're going to stop right there because that's enough. (laughs) Unthankful and unholy. And we see this coming true. We live in the day and age of the selfie. And we are living in a culture that's becoming more unthankful. How can we guard against this? How can we guard against becoming like this? How can we guard against becoming, you know, people that are really a fulfillment of this verse that Paul gave to Timothy? We've got to be reminded repeatedly of just exactly what Jesus has done for us. We need to be reminded repeatedly of exactly what it is that our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Tonight we're going to look at this passage in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus heals 10 men of the disease of leprosy. This passage will remind us of what Jesus has done in our lives because we'll see what he has done in the lives of these 10 men. And it will help us in the area of being thankful because we're going to see one of these guys, how they respond to what the Lord does in their life. And so Tonight, we've got, if you're a believer, we've got a lot to be thankful for. And one of the things that we've got to be thankful for is that Jesus went looking out for us. We didn't look for him. He came looking for us. He came and marched himself right into the middle of our situation. And we see that in our passage tonight. Beginning in Luke 17, pick it up, verse 11 It says this, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And then as he entered a certain village, there there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Word had spread that Jesus was a healer. Word had no doubt spread through Galilee, Jerusalem, Judea, and in Samaria that Jesus was able to heal. And word got out that he even healed the disease of leprosy. 
Here in this text, we see Jesus doing it again. And he makes a trip of destiny where he heals 10 men of the disease of leprosy. Now, one of the things we see in this passage is that Jesus is the pursuer of mankind. He goes out looking for you. We see this all the way through scripture, that Jesus goes out and looks for us wherever we are in our condition, lost and away from him. And we see this aspect first in Genesis. Genesis chapter three, when man fell, when Adam and Eve ate from the tree that they were told not to eat of, what happened after they ate the tree? Well, they looked down, they saw that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves like, you know, outfits or something out of, out of fig leaves that must have been really uncomfortable. But that's what they did. And the text tells us that the Lord came to them walking and he called to them. And, and from right there in the beginning of Genesis, all the way through scripture and even to this very moment, we see that Jesus, he's, as I've said before, the hound of heaven. He's the one that goes out and looks for the wayward man, the wayward woman. We see it even in John 4, in that famous passage where Jesus meets the woman at the well. But if you see it in the beginning of the passage, we see that in the language it said that Jesus needed to go to Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. Now, if you know anything about the geography of Israel, you have Galilee in the north, you have Judea and Jerusalem in the south, and in between, you have this area called Samaria. And any Jew who knew what they were doing when they traveled from Galilee down to Judea, they didn't go straight through Samaria. I mean, crazy. I mean, most of us, when we go somewhere, we want to go the fastest route, you know? We pull it up on our on our. Google Maps, and we say, you know, and I do it all the time because I'm delivering mattresses all over Brevard County, right? And, and I pull up the, I put the, the address of the house in it, and it'll give me three routes. And it's like, okay, which one's the fastest, right? Which one's the fastest? And I choose that one. Well, no Jew went the fastest way from Galilee to, to Jerusalem. They always went around the long way because they didn't want to go through Samaria. And when we come to John chapter 4, the text clearly tells us that Jesus, he needed to go through Samaria. Why? Because there was a, a meeting of destiny that he had with a woman that he was going to meet at the well who had, had had five marriages and was, had a man in her life now, and he wasn't her husband. And he spoke to her on that occasion and basically laid her heart bare and she was convinced that he was the Messiah and she went in and brought the whole town back out to the well to meet Jesus. You gotta come see this guy who told me everything about my life. Now on this occasion, in Luke chapter 17, it says, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria. So Jesus was smart. Amen. <laughs> Jesus is no fool and he's not going to be worried about racial tensions or any other issue. He's going to go the fast way and he's going to go that way, not only because it's the fast way, but he also has a meeting of destiny on this particular occasion, on this particular day with 10 guys 
that have leprosy. In verse 12, it says, And then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So he goes through this to this certain village, and he's going to meet these 10 guys that have leprosy, and we're going to find out that at least one of them is a Samaritan. And if you, if you, if you studied your scriptures a little bit and you've gotten into this whole thing about the Samaritan, well, what's up with the Samaritan? We have, a par- we have this parable, the good Samaritan, right? And, and there's all this talk about Samaritans. Well, what were they? Well, they were basically half-breeds. They were like kind of a mixed race. They were Jews that had been mixed with the Assyrians. See, the Assyrians came in and conquered the northern kingdoms in 722 B.C. And if you know your Old Testament history, all right, in 722, there's two dates that you learn in the Old Testament uh, in that middle time there, 722 and 586, Okay, 722 was the year that the Assyrians came and conquered the 10 northern tribes. 586 was the year that Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians conquered and destroyed Jerusalem and Judea. And so in 722, and this thing is squeaking and bothering me to death, so I'm going to come over here. Is that okay with you? Is it this way? I don't know what I'm doing up here. I mean, we got to get some WD-40 on this thing. Where was I? 722. 720, I was in the year 722 BC. And that's when the Assyrians conquered. And what happened when they conquered those 10 northern tribes that they intermarried with the Jews and they created really this mixed race. And it was, they were called the Samaritans. And so Jesus went through Samaria. He wasn't afraid to go through Samaria. He wasn't afraid to go and have some conversations with some people in Samaria. And why? Because he goes out for every person. He's not a respecter of persons. He's gone out to every person. Yes, salvation is of the Jews first, but it's also been opened up for anyone, all the Gentiles as well. Whosoever will come and call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So Jesus goes out looking for you. Well, we see Jesus going out looking for wayward man. And one more reference I want to bring up is Moses. Moses, back in Exodus chapter 3, I want to read it in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. You'll see it on the screen. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Okay, so this tells you a little bit about what's going on in Moses' life. All right, he was the prince of Egypt. He grew up in the palace of Egypt with Pharaoh, and now he's working for his father-in-law. Now, in some cases, it doesn't get a whole lot worse than that. Amen? You know? Now, well, for me, I, I, I don't know if I would have a problem with that, but, but here Moses is working for his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And look, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord, the angel of Yahweh, appeared to him in a flame of fire and in the midst of the bush. Where was he? He was on the backside of the desert. 
So there's no place where you can run and hide to get away from the Lord. You can be on the backside of the desert. You can be in Samaria. He's going to find you. Amen. He's going to find you. And if and if you'll let him just find you and, and be found, then he's going to do an incredible thing. He's going to heal you. Think about it. Where did he find you, Christian? Where did he find you? Jeremy shared with us already tonight where he was just away from the Lord, just doing his thing. Christian, where did he find you? Were you on the backside of the desert? Were you in the depths of despair at the end of your rope? Where were you? Well, Jesus finds us, and Jesus finds these 10 men who have leprosy, and they cried out, Jesus. They called out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, one thing that I know for sure reading this scripture is reading the Bible from cover to cover is that Jesus wants to have mercy on you. He wants to. And if you'll call out to him, if you'll let him find you, he wants to have mercy on you. Do you need mercy? Well, then cry out to the Lord Jesus. Call him like these guys, Master. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Because Jesus wants to have mercy. In fact, he's got a whole chair, a whole seat that he's called the mercy seat. And that's where he wants to meet you. That's where he wants to meet with you. His, his throne is actually a seat called mercy. And so he's about mercy. All you've got to do is call out to him. And he is going to have mercy on you. Well, these guys have leprosy. And now leprosy is an interesting disease in the Bible. It's a real disease, and it's even a disease of today. But it's, it's a real disease, but it's also a type. It's also a picture in the Bible. It's a picture of sin. So you have leprosy. You have, you have these 10 guys with leprosy, 10 lepers, really 10 sinners, 10 people who needed the Lord. They needed to be healed. Well, what happens? Well, Jesus heals them. Let's look at verse 14. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. You see, Jesus, if you'll call on him, he'll heal you. He'll heal you. You got leprosy? Well, it's a picture of sin in the Bible. It's not just a disease. It's a picture of the condition of every single person. We're, we're really, in that sense, we're, we're lepers. And we need to be healed. And there's only one person that can heal us of this sin disease that we have. And so these guys, they call out to Jesus. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus tells them, go show, go show yourselves to the priest." Why would, why would he tell them to do that? Well, because there was a law in the Old Testament, in the Torah. It was, there was an entire chapter in the book of Leviticus about being healed from leprosy. You have this entire chapter in Leviticus that was about being declared a cured leper. And so part of that, what is in that chapter there in Leviticus is that you would go and show yourself to the priest. And the priest would be like, you know, in that sense, he would be like a dermatologist. 
and, and, and he would examine you. He would examine your skin to see if truly you had been cleansed from lep leprosy. And if you were cleansed, then there was a law, there was a, pur a purification process, a cleansing process, okay? So this is, this is the way that it was written. This is the law. This is the Torah. So Jesus tells them, according to the Torah, he says, go show yourself to the priest. And if the priest inspected your, your skin, and if you were clean, he would declare you clean from leprosy. So you have this law of leprosy, and what's interesting is you have this entire chapter on being cleansed from leprosy, and no one had ever done this. There would never, there's never been anyone cleansed from leprosy. You say, no, wait a second, Pastor Charles, that's wrong. There was one guy. <laughs> there was one guy, well, two, if you count that thing where Miriam was being, you know, kind of not right, and she ended up with leprosy for like a week, but then she was healed, okay? And then there was this one other guy. In the whole history, from the time that God gave the law in Leviticus to the time that Jesus shows up on the scene, there's one guy that was healed of leprosy, and he didn't even live in Israel. He wasn't a Jew. Who was it? It was a guy by the name of Naaman, and he was a Syrian commander. And he had this servant girl who actually was an Israeli. And this Israeli girl who was in his house told Naaman's wife, oh, Naaman's got leprosy? Well, he needs to go down and see Elisha. He needs to go to Israel and see Elisha because Elisha would heal him. Now, I don't know who this girl is, but man, maybe we need to meet her when we get to heaven. Here she is. She's throwing down. You know, she is saying, look, you need to tell Naaman to get himself down to Jerusalem, down to, down to, actually, we find out in the text in Kings that where is Elisha? He's actually in Samaria. Wow, of all places. And so what, what does Naaman do? Naaman goes down there. And he gets all the way down there close to where Elisha is. And Elisha doesn't even come all the way out to meet him. Elisha sends a servant, uh, a messenger, out to meet with Naaman. And he says, Elisha's given you these instructions and go dip in the, the river and you'll be fine. You'll be healed. So he goes and does it. He goes and washes and he's healed of his leprosy. This is the only example that we have in the Old Testament of someone being healed of leprosy. And there's a whole chapter, Leviticus 13, on being healed of leprosy, being de declared clean until Jesus shows up on the scene. Then everything changes. Jesus shows up on the scene and after Jesus begins his ministry, he just goes out and he begins to heal people of all kinds of diseases. He goes from town to town and he's, he's healing people. And one of, the pe one of the groups of people that he's healing is people that have leprosy. And so word has gotten out that this Jesus guy is healing people and he's actually healing people of leprosy. So if you've got leprosy, when, if, if Jesus is anywhere near, if he comes into your certain village, You should, you should know about this. Well, 
John the Baptist, after the ministry of Jesus started, what happened to John? John the Baptist was arrested, right? And while John the Baptist was in prison, here he is sitting in prison, and he didn't envision himself being in prison. You know, here he was, this guy that was born from a prophecy. Remember, his dad was a priest in the, in the temple and received this prophecy that his wife was going to be pregnant and he was going to be this, this uh, forerunner of the, of the Messiah and everything, right? So John grows up and he's this forerunner of the Messiah. He's actually baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River and Jesus begins his ministry. And shortly after that, John finds himself arrested, taken into custody because he was hardcore preacher. And, uh, and, and he didn't pull any punches. And um, so he's in prison and he's sitting there in prison going, maybe we got it wrong. Maybe Jesus isn't the Messiah. Maybe there's somebody else that we should be looking for. So John sends two of his disciples to Jesus with a question. What is the question? In Matthew 11, verse 3, you'll see it on the screen. This is the question that that John's disciples had for Jesus. Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? In other words, we thought you were it, (laughs) but I'm in jail and things aren't going great, and we need to know. We need to know. Are you the guy? Or or should we start expecting someone else to show up on the scene? This was the question. And Jesus responds to the question. How does he answer it? Next verse, verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. One of the interesting phrases in here that Jesus actually says to the two disciples of John is, tell John that the lepers are cleansed, right? He could have just said, hey, people are being healed. Tell them people are being healed. No, people are being healed, but I want you to tell them specifically, the lepers are being healed. This is incredible because we've had no lepers been cleansed in the the history of of Israel except for an outsider named Naaman, and he wasn't even a Jew. And Jesus came on the scene, and he's cleansing leprosy, he's healing leprosy, and here in, in Luke chapter 17, he heals 10 of them. What is, what is the response of the 10 lepers that are cleansed? Well, before we get, get to that, I want to read John Corson in his commentary makes an observation of the 10 lepers. He said this, nine, nine lepers went to the priest. One came back as a priest, offering the sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord. And so what we learn from this text is that Jesus heals leprosy and it's specifically a picture of him cleansing sin. Amen? And what should be our response? Well, our response should be like the one leper that we see in these closing verses. Let's pick it up, verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned 
and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. We can learn in the face of our culture that has become entitled and unthankful. We can learn from this one leper about giving thanks, that we need to give him thanks. As they went, they were cleansed. They were all cleansed, all 10 of them, right? There's, there's always, you know, if you look at Jesus, he always did something. He would ask for a response. There's the, this the response, you know, go, go your way, go dip in the pool, go to the priest. And as they were going to the priest to show themselves, they were cleansed. One of them looks down and realizes that he's been healed of his leprosy. He was healed. Can you imagine the 10 guys going from that place to, to go to the priest? They find out, they look down, they discover that they've been healed. Can you imagine the feeling? Can you imagine the feeling of, of, of being a leper? Now, you have to understand what it meant to be a leper. Once you had leprosy, you were a complete outcast in society. You had lost everything. I mean, they, you know, they would put them literally out by themselves, you know, just in a group. You know, I guess they called them leper colonies, right? You lost everything. You lost your family. Lost your life, really. One, and little by little, you lost your body. You know, your nose would fall off and all kinds of, all kinds of crazy stuff. And now he was cleansed. Can you imagine the thought in his mind? So what did he do? Look at it. He returned. He returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. We can learn a lot about giving thanks from this, this one leper. If you're taking notes on your little sheet there, yeah, I've got some stuff for you. You haven't, get, you haven't gotten it filled up yet, so we've got to give you some stuff here. Okay. Stuff about giving thanks that we can learn from this leper. Number one, we should be speedy in giving thanks. As soon as he learned, as soon as he discovered that he was healed, it says he returned. He returned to Jesus. He, he, he discovered that he was healed, and what did he do? Return. Now, the other, the other nine, they kept going. He returned. When God has moved in your life, be quick to give him thanks. This will help you to be a person of thanks. And we need to be people that are quick to give thanks. We need to be people that are speedy in giving thanks. Thanksgiving should be a ready and natural thing for the person who has been healed from their sin. Christian, from leprosy. You've been healed from leprosy. We need to be speedy about our thanksgiving to the Lord. We need to be speedy. We need to be, number two, vocal. Vocal. 
Look at that. He returned and with a loud voice glorified God. We need to be vocal. We need to give thanks to God. We need to open up our mouths. We need to be, we need to be vocal with the Lord. The writer of Hebrews tells us, Hebrews 13, 15 is the verse. He says this, Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. What's that? The fruit of our lips. That's being vocal. That's saying, hey, thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for all that you have done for me. Don't, not being afraid to give thanks. We, we've got to do this, Christian. I know, you know, people are just, you know, well, just be quiet and be to yourself and whatever. We need to be thankful people, and I think we need to be vocal about it. We need to give thanks to the Lord. Do, do you, what is the fruit of your lips? Do you have fruit, fruit of your lips? Giving thanks to the Lord? He says, continually offer the sacrifice of praise. And especially when we come together, amen? When we come together as the body of believers, all the ex-lepers, right? Every time we walk through the door, what is it? It's a congregation of the ex-lepers, right? And what if you had that there uh, out on the sign? You know, today, <laughs> today is the day of like where you, you know, the thing you want to do when you start a church is you want to come up with a cool name, you know, like a rise church or, you know, all this stuff, right? Cool name. The congregation of the ex-lepers. <laughs> Meeting here, right? But that's what, but that's what we are. And when we come together, it shouldn't take a whole lot yeah. for the continual sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips, the, the giving thanks. It shouldn't, it shouldn't take a whole lot to get us, to get us going. Mm-hmm. Number three, if you're taking notes there, be humble in giving thanks. He returned with a loud voice, glorified God, and he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Be humble in giving thanks. This one leper bowed and gave thanks. And we can learn from this as well. We need to be humble and giving thanks, realizing that everything we have is from God. Christian, everything that you have in your life is from God. If you, do you have anything good in your life? Is it good? Then it's from God. The writer James tells us that every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. What's that? Every good and perfect gift is a gift from the Lord. And so when we know that, we need to be humble in giving thanks. We need to give thanks. And and, 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 and Christian, we need to be giving thanks every day. You know, thanking God, not just for the food, you know. Let's say a quick prayer. Grace. Amen. Thank you for the food. We're hungry, Lord. Amen. No, we need to give thanks. We need to give thanks to the Lord because he has poured out abundant blessing into your life. He has, he has blessed you, Christian. I can tell. I can look at you tonight. I look out at you right now, and I know that God's blessed you. You came in here tonight, and you think, man, I, I need a blessing. You, you may need another one, but let me tell you that, that God has blessed you. You are blessed. Number one, you're, you're here. 
in the United States of America, you're not somewhere tonight in a trash, in a garbage dump looking for a scrap of bread. You are here in, in abundance and the blessing of the Lord upon this place. And you're here, Christian. Not only that, but you're here in church. You're blessed somewhere in your heart. There's a yearning for connection with God. There's a relationship with God. There's wanting to walk with God. You're blessed, Christian. And we need to realize and give thanks for everything. You know, I remember a song when, when I was a kid. There was a song called Count Your Blessings. Count them one by one. Remember that? Yeah, it's old. We don't sing that one anymore. <laughs> you remember that one, Jeremy? Count your blessings. Count them one by one. I think it's, we may, we may need to write a new one with a new update, updated tune, you know. <laughs> but let me tell you, we do, we do need to do that because God has been so good. Thank him for everything. Every day, thank him for your life, your family, your, your, your provision, your job, your whatever, whatever he's doing in your life. Thank him and be humble about it, giving him thanks. Now look what Jesus says in verse 18. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Wow. The other nine didn't come back to give Jesus thanks, except for, as Jesus points out, the foreigner. The foreigner. The Samaritan. Wow. Now, we're going to wrap this up. I want to take you back to the story of Naaman for a second. Here's the 10 lepers. One comes back to give him thanks. Naaman, after he was healed, he came back to Elisha. Now, this time, he actually was able to meet him face to face. And on this occasion, Naaman, feeling so blessed after having been healed of leprosy, he wants to give the prophet a gift. I want to give you a gift, right? And Elisha says, no, I'm not, going to, I'm not accepting any gifts. And so Naaman says, okay, all right, well, will you do me this favor? Will you do me this favor? I want to, I want to, read, I want to read to you what Naaman says. In 2 Kings 5.17, it'll be up on your screen. So Naaman said, then if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth. For your servant will no longer offer either burnt offerings or sacrifices to other gods, but to the Lord. Now, I think I mentioned this before, but we'll just kind of deal with it again here because I think this is an awesome little piece of little nugget in the Old Testament. Here is Naaman, who has been healed of leprosy, and he tried to give a gift to the prophet. The, 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 the prophet said no, and he said, okay, well, then do me this one thing. Do me a favor. Let me take, I've got my, you know, my Chevy Bronco here, my Silverado, you know, my, my 
F-150. I need two loads of dirt to take back to Syria with me. What? What what is this about? He literally wants to take the holy ground of Israel back to Syria so that when he, he can put it down, and so when everyone else is doing their service to all these other gods, all these pagan gods that they're worshiping and they're serving and they're doing all their jigs and you know all this stuff, that Naaman is going to be literally standing on the holy ground of Israel to worship the one true living God. Amen. And that's exactly what we are, Christian. We're the people that are serving the one true living God. And where we are is sacred ground to give thanks, to worship him. And so don't take it for granted. Wherever you are, if you're a believer, if you're a king, uh, if you're a, well, yeah, you, you are a king because God has made you a priest and a king. You're a royal priesthood of all believers. So whenever you're standing somewhere, you are, you are taking dominion for the king of kings. And so whenever you're there, you could be, you know, at Walmart. You could be somewhere else. You could be at the hot dog stand, which I'm at a lot. <laughs> okay? Because it's literally 10 feet from my shop. Mustard's last stand. Amen? I'm taking dominion over Mustard's last stand. Amen? I'm taking dominion for the Lord. It's holy ground. Why? Why? Because we've been healed. We've been healed. Amen? The Lord has done an incredible thing in your life, in my life. And let us never forget it. And let us be thankful, just like this leper.